everybody, and welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, still in semi-lockdown. And I think that's the case for many of you. Although, parts of the world are slowly starting to open up a little bit, but there are still massive risks linked to that, of course. But it doesn't prevent me from doing my show. This episode of the show is brought to you thanks to my patrons. And we have a number of new members of the patron family that have joined in the past week. And I'm really grateful for their support. And so I want to welcome them by naming them. First of all, I want to thank Lisa to, uh, for, for her joining the Patreon community with a very substantial pledge per month. Thank you so much for uh, your generosity. An even bigger pledge was uh, given by Margarita. And I also want to thank her for uh, that very generous support. Um, it's it's uh, heartwarming to see how generous people are, uh, even though we are living in, in very uncertain times. Um, it, it shows their trust in what I'm doing. So thank you so much. Oliver is also joining the patrons and Laura is also signing up uh, to be a patron and thereby also getting access to my weekly second show, which is called Father Roderick to the Max. And later in this episode, you will hear the topics that will be part of that show. And if you are already a patron, then you know that you can subscribe to the extra podcast feed that will be uh, in your menu somewhere on your uh, own Patreon page. And if you would love to listen to more of me uh, next to this show, then take a look at patreon.com slash fatherroderick and sign up and you can become a patron already for very, very small amounts per month. And 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 then as a, as a thank you, I will uh, give you access to that uh, second show that is kind of now equal to this one, at least in substance. And then I also want to thank Tony, who has upped his pledge for uh, for each month. And that, of course, is also a possibility that you can, you can change your pledge. And if you're in a more difficult situation, then I'm totally fine if you lower your pledge, your monthly pledge, or even cancel it completely. And if you have some dimes to spare and you want to join the community it's all up to you i appreciate any help you give you know what's going on this is what's happening in your world they said catholics rule we got boston south america the good part of ireland and we're making serious inroads in mozambique baby you've taken your first step into a larger world i'm really grateful that social media allows me to follow many of you uh, from day to day almost in my newsfeed. And I'm, I'm happy to say that still most of you are still healthy. Some of you have family members that are now in a more difficult situation, maybe in lockdown or in quarantine. Uh, some of you even had some people that have been affected by the coronavirus. So my prayers, of course, for you. Uh, and I hope everything will turn out well. Um, and then... Some of you are telling me that uh, that uh, your state, if you're in the United States, is thinking of opening up, um, and others, uh, other people, uh, other uh, members of my of my community are still in very strict lockdown, like in Italy or in Germany, Belgium, um, and in some countries the signs are good and uh, it seems that the efforts to flatten the curve have succeeded, and there are. Definitely uh, some signs that uh, the pressure on the hospitals and on the emergency rooms is, uh, or on the, uh, I should say, uh, what is it, intensive care units, uh, uh, that, that that pressure is slowly weakening. Um, but there are other countries, strangely enough, where that is not the case. Like in Germany, they have more people dying from the virus than a couple of days ago. Belgium, same thing. Here in the Netherlands, I'm happy to say that there are actually, uh, definitely the curve is... is um, is improving. In most countries, they are still continuing the the measures. Um, and uh, in, so, for instance, in Holland, they're opening up the schools in two weeks from now, uh, but only primary schools, and that is based on the most recent research that uh, the, the risks of children infecting adults is actually very low. Um, it's more the 
children that are sometimes getting uh, infected by their parents if they have the coronavirus. So that's the reason that they're thinking of opening the schools, however, with very strict rules as to the, you know, the distance that people have to take, uh, hygiene, washing hands, etc. Still going to be very challenging, I think, for schools to implement that. And secondary schools uh, will still have to wait. All events remain cancelled until the month of September, which means that all my favorite fantasy festivals are all cancelled. And the walk of the world that I w wanted to participate in is also cancelled. So still a lot of things that we have to give up during these times. But I gladly give up all that if it protects the people from the generation of my parents, very vulnerable to, to the coronavirus. And I'm also, I have to say, a little bit worried when I hear about... Uh, uh, some countries where they're really, really eager to restart the economy, of course, because this is having massive implications for people uh, on their income and, and their economic welfare, or, or um, what is it, well-being, I should say. Uh, but, of course, there are serious concerns, I think legitimate concerns, that if you open up the society too quickly, there will be a rebound and there will be even more uh, death, people dying from the virus than before. So it is, it's a very, very, very complicated situation for all of us. Um, but I hope that we will always put the health of people and especially of the most vulnerable people in our society above the, the economy. Because ultimately money, that's something that we can always make in the future, but you can't replace a life. I've been busier than ever. <laughs> It's incredible. I made a list of all the stuff that happened between the last episode of this show and today. And I'm just going to give you an idea. Some people are, I have parishioners that literally are wondering if I have, if I still have anything to do. Because, well, they say Father Roderick's TV show is over and it's no longer on, on TV. He only has to do one mass during the weekends and sometimes there's even another priest doing mass. So he's just probably just sitting in the sun. Well, <laughs> Let me help you. That is not the case. First of all, I did. I developed an entire light plan for the church. We're streaming these masses, and you may have seen the mass for geeks that I streamed in English on Sunday, uh, which was a, 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 a good success. I mean, a lot of people enjoyed joining me for mass instead of just for podcasts. But in order to light the church for these sh for these uh, masses, we need better lights. And so we had someone from television coming over, uh, uh, someone I knew, and he uh, took all sorts of equipment with him. So we spent a couple of hours making a new life plan for the church. That's one thing I did. Then I, I'm still producing my children's show, which is kind of a, like a Sesame Street for Catholic children that can't go to Mass anymore. So I'm puppeteering. I'm doing the voices. I'm writing the dialogue. I'm working together with uh, another writer for uh, for the, the the other parts of the of the videos. They're starting to become a success. Children are reacting to the videos. We're getting some very good feedback, but that's a ton of work. Just recording the voice track already takes me a couple of hours, and then filming all the you know the puppets and putting it together, editing it takes me uh, about twelve hours in total. So that's a that's that, I still have to do that work tomorrow morning. That's going to be massive. It's a massive amount of work, but it's worth it if it helps children to stay connected to the church. I want to do it. Um, then I I am <laughs> my parishioners are telling me, hey, but Father Mauricio was doing mass, or or Father uh, Joachim. So you had the weekend off. No, I am doing all the stuff behind the cameras together with a few few uh, other people, with Inga among others. Um, and so I'm I'm producing all these online celebrations. I'm filming. I'm doing the camera switching, but also all the preparation. You know, just preparing the mass for geeks. Uh, coming up with a uh, the songs, uh, uh, calling up people to help out. The music, everything has to be arranged so that it works on camera. I'm also currently working almost full-time right now on revamping the church, making it suitable for uh, the extended period that I think we will have these streaming masses. This is not going to be over soon. And I'm, I think I already can keep, keep in mind that maybe we'll, we'll be streaming masses for the rest of the year. Even if churches are allowed to open again, it will no, it will no longer be for 
for the entire community. We'll have to keep our distances. So in a church where normally you could seat 400 people, 400 people, now maybe there's only place for 40 people, which means that the rest of the parish will still have to follow those live-streamed masses. And so uh, that's why I'm putting so much time in in, in kind of... Re- but the church, of course, was not built for for for, you know streamed masses so we're, we're rearranging everything so it looks good and that people have the feeling that they're really there it's a ton of work i'm also coaching uh not only the pastoral team here of the two parishes that i work for but i'm also also coaching individual pastors and other pastoral teams uh, from neighboring parishes and so last monday i spent a couple of hours going to a town near Utrecht where uh, the pastoral team was also uh, trying to stream their masses but they ran into so many uh, practical problems that they figured you know it's easier to just let Father Roderick come over and you know explain how to do things and 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 work with us than you know just uh, sending question after question via email. I've also been coaching a friend of mine who is now uh, an Augustine uh, father in Belgium, who is he's not just streaming liturgy, but he's also recording uh, video clips, YouTube videos for teenagers. And so he recorded, and he wanted just wanted to pick my brain on you know what, what else can I do? He's really exploring new possibilities, and so I coached him a little bit, gave him a lot of ideas, maybe try out this. And so yesterday he created a, a video for teenagers explaining uh, confirmation. And confirmation mass, and I was so excited to see how many of my ideas he had implemented in his videos. And so I love working with these people, but it takes a ton of time. Um, then another thing that happened was uh, we are already preparing the second half of 2020 when it comes to my TV show. Um, first season is over, so I had a brainstorm meeting with uh, all the people that I work for, um, as well as with a, f- a person that is specialized in, in developing new te- television formats. And so that took a couple of hours. Um, and then I had to uh, talk afterwards with my cameraman and see, you know, uh, talk with him. How exactly are we going to um, to make this happen? Because it's easy to brainstorm, but then Production has to be started up pretty soon now because it's, you know, in the month of May, I'm already, I really want to start working on the TV show for, uh, for, for the fall. Um, I'm also working on translating the Scotland uh, documentaries and the Down Under documentaries. I'm working on translating the uh, Dutch voiceover text so that we can give you English versions of those documentaries. I've been building a website for my two parishes <laughs> for all the streaming information. We need to kind of put that in a nice place and also communicate about all the changes in, in, in our parish and all the initiatives that are happening all over the place. Um, I had a board meeting with the board of, uh, of Tridio. Uh, we are preparing to move out of our current office. So I had to talk with the uh the parish board about that because we're renting the place and then so kind of try to and normally we're supposed to to rent that place until the end of the year but we need to change that it costs us a, almost a thousand euros per month and we're not using the building and we're not going to use it anytime soon so that was a kind of a, an interesting negotiation um I'm also, I've, I'm working on building a website for fatherroderick.com, which is a domain that used to go to YouTube, to my YouTube channel. But now with the documentaries that I'm preparing and the live streams and the masses and, you know, the Star Wars videos that I'm making, I wanted to create a, a, a website that looks a little bit more like, a, like Netflix or Prime Video. Uh, so um, I wor- I'm working with a small company that is developing uh, a beautiful website. I mean, I was blown away when I saw it. It looks fantastic, but it <laughs> still have to make it all work. And But it's going to be awesome, but it's, it's a ton of work as well. Um, I also developed another sub-website for 
a parish, I call it parish TV in Dutch. So that's where we group all these videos that par individual parishes are producing now, but that, that are scattered all over the place, created a kind of a landing page where, where people can browse through all that content. Um, I've been doing at least two days worth of, of Skype meetings, uh, Zoom meetings, Microsoft Teams meetings, WhatsApp meetings, phone meetings. Ugh. I'm just, I've got square eyes from looking at my, at my uh, computer. I've done a little bit of online gaming, thank goodness. I find, finally found some time to do some more Battlefront 2. And I'll be talking a bit about my experiences in, uh, in uh, my other show, the Patreon show, Father Roderick to the Max. And I have been rebuilding my Lego room because I want to start streaming my Lego builds again. All that happened between the previous show that you listened to and this show. <sighs> And then I also slept for a couple of hours. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I've been kind of, this corona situation is keeping me off the street. That's probably exactly what is supposed to happen. <laughs> and with that, it is time to move over to my first segment of the day. We need to talk about movies and TV shows because, yes, I did manage to watch a few TV shows and movies on Netflix, Disney Plus, and Amazon Prime. And I even checked out a few Blu-rays that I ordered at Amazon because they were on sale and I just couldn't let them pass me by because they were so cheap. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about that. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So the first movie that I uh, checked out on Blu-ray comes from a four Blu-ray box uh, with all the good Die Hard movies. I'm specifying all the good ones. Well, the good ones. The first three are, of course, excellent. I love them. I've seen them countless times. The fourth one was okay. The fifth one was total rubbish. Um, the four movie box was on sale on Amazon in the Netherlands for just four euros. That's one euro per Blu-ray. And I, I had the, the first three movies on DVD. But that, of course, if you watch a DVD on a 4K television screen that is pretty big, uh, it doesn't hold up. It's very blurry. So I'm glad to finally own the tr Die Hard uh, movies on, on Blu-ray. And then I picked up, I, the, just a few days later, I saw that they put the fifth movie up on sale for just €1.50. I was like, okay, it's a bad, terrible movie. But I bought it anyway because now I have the collection complete. So I've been watching the first, re-watching the first uh, Die Hard movie, still my favorite, and uh, listen to the audio, uh, di uh, the director's commentary, and enjoyed it tremendously. It's such a cool movie. It is so awesome to hear how that movie came about. And uh, and I have to say that I was actually quite happy with the quality on Blu-ray. It is, it's a new, well, it's a remaster they did a couple of years ago. And holds up pretty well, even though it's filmed with a, a reasonably big budget. But it's still a pretty old movie. But I thought it looked really good. Actually, some of the scenes were surprisingly good um, of the of the first movie. So I enjoyed that. And then I also watched a few more things on um, on Netflix and on uh, Disney. I've started to watch a series called Altered Carbon, um, which is. I think an interesting science fiction premise. It is about a future where they have finally succeeded in downloading people's ex entire memory, soul, feelings, whatever, into a chip. So uh, there is this kind of uh, disc-shaped object, uh, like a miniature hard drive, and they can download people's entire existence, conscience, and memories onto that disc. And they can plug that into prefabricated bodies. So all of a sudden, the physical body becomes something they just 
considered as a sleeve. It's something that you you just plug in your your entire existence that is stored on those pucks. It's got, it looks like a hockey puck, and then you can restart your life, and you can just you know uh, uh, use a new body. Now, of course, the rich in the world can afford like super duper sleeves or new bodies, like uh, you know soldiers and or you know beautiful people. Whereas the poor, they get what's left over. So sometimes they get recycled bodies. Um, maybe they will even put, like there's this one heartbreaking scene where um, I think a child is put in the body of an older person, like a, like a, a, like a 70-year-old. Um, and then the parents are picking up their uh, their child i think the child died died in an accident but then the, and then the 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 government because they are poor the government just assigns that 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 downloaded entity to a new well like a recycled body and so these parents are picking up their child and all of a sudden they're, they're, there's this old woman and it's still their daughter their seven year old daughter and it, they're like but 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 it's you know, it's our child. How can you do that? So it also shows kind of the moral implications of that and um, the uh, the injustice of a society where um, uh, the the amount of money that you own determines what kind of what kind of body you will be assigned to. So uh, a very interesting science fiction premise, of course, for a theologian and for a philosopher. The question would be, well. Is that even possible? Isn't there something more than just uh, memories and uh, synaptic connections? Isn't isn't to be a human being? Isn't there something that is that transcends the physical, the soul? What we call the soul, and well, you can't download the soul. The soul is a gift of God, and it's not something physical. Um, so, and then of course, uh, in, in in Thomistic theology, you would say the the soul is the determines the body so the soul is the form of the materia of the, of the body and and those two are intrinsically linked you can't have one without the other and that is why we believe in the corporal resurrection when we die our souls go to heaven but they are still incomplete without a body and that is why uh, um, in in catholic theology we believe that one day our bodies will also resurrect. It's not going to be f the same material as what we bury, um, but we can't be fully human without a body. Uh, we are not like angels. Angels are souls without a body. We are human beings, and so body and soul are part of, of, of what makes us uh, humans. And so it's kind of interesting that if the soul is the, the form, determines also the body in a certain way, um, you can't, a body is more than just a physical container of your soul. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's made by the soul. And so, well, the, the, the physical body is determined by the soul. So the recycling that they show in altered carbon from a theological point of view probably wouldn't work. Or at least it would, it would uh, really have to it would bring the theologians back to the uh, drawing board. <laughs> But anyway, I love it. It's good. It's good science fiction. There's also an anime movie that is taking place in the same universe, which is called Our Altered Carbon Resleeved, which is very well done as well. Uh, as well. So I'm uh, currently watching that. Um, I also tried uh, on on the rec on the recommendation of um, uh, Sebastian, is one of my friends, uh, board game friends, and uh, also a parishioner of mine. Um, he was watching Ozark. And I'd never heard of the series, so I checked it out on Netflix, and I tried to watch the first episode, and whoa, that was so boring. It's so slow, and I was like, what am I watching? Where is this going? Where is this story going? I couldn't figure it out after watching 45 minutes, so I'm probably going to take one last deep breath and try to work my way through the first episode. And if I still don't get it after the first episode, I'm not going to waste my time. So convince me. Ozark. If any of you have watched it, let me know if this is something I should pursue or not. And then I discovered something new on Amazon Prime. And it is 
fantastic. That's going to be my biggest recommend of the week. It's called Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop. I have the audio of the trailer of the first episode queued up here. Someone says something's impossible. I prove it's possible. A groundbreaking new series. Not everything in life makes sense. You see the weirdest images here. Big, huge robots in a very common landscape. One day, many years from now, you'll wonder if this really happened. Or if it was a dream. Everyone is connected to the loop in one way or another. This is the actor that plays Pope Francis, by the way, in Two Popes. Amazon original, Tales from the Loop. See, there's nothing to be afraid of. And this new series premiered on April the 3rd, so it's brand new on Prime Video. And it, it looks fantastic. The first episode really blew me away because of its tonality. This is uh, interesting in many different ways. It's science fiction. But it's also a very human story, a very, well, you already hear it, you can tell from the, from the music, it's got this kind of slow, melancholy tone to it, which is one of the strengths of, uh, of this series. The, the series is based on paintings. So it's not based on a, on a comic book or a, a script or a series of books. This is based on the paintings of a, I think, a Swedish painter called Simon, Simon Stalenhag. I think you pronounce it like Simon Stalenhag. <laughs> and uh, Tales from the Loop on Amazon explores the mind-bending adventures of people who live above the loop. What is the loop? It is an underground machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe, making things previously re relegated to science fiction possible. Now, Simon Stalenhag is a young Swedish artist, or young, born in 1984, but he's also a musician and a designer, and he specializes in retro-futuristic digital image images. He paints actually on his iPad, focused on nostalgic Swedish countryside alternate history environments. And so uh, I looked up the, the Wikipedia entry on, on uh, this artist, and uh, at first he started to just paint very rural Swedish landscapes. And, uh, and one of, the, one of the, the, the things that inspired him to add robots to it was that he always had difficulty connecting to the adult world. So he, kind of someone who didn't want to grow up. And so in his, as a child, he always loved stories, uh, science fiction stories about strange worlds and, and, and gigantic droids and everything. So he started to add those mysterious, rusty uh, remnants of robots to the to his landscapes. So very, it's, it's, it's this mix of beautifully painted uh, landscapes, just forests and uh, meadows and whatnot. And in, all, in the distance, you see these massive robots. And he was just he just loved the combination of that, the weirdness of the science fiction elements in very traditional paintings. His style is kind of very classic. And then, while he was, because he was starting to paint this, um, there, um, someone started to come up with a background story for that, and he himself also got thinking, you know, I, what could be the story behind these droids? And that's how he came up with the, this idea of the loop of this machine. 
but he kind of didn't really work it out that much in a, in a very detailed way. And then uh, a group of people started to turn that into an RPG. So it's a role-playing game, not a not a, a video game RPG, but a, a classic one like Dungeons and Dragons. And so they came up came up with this role-playing game that you can play with several people. And they started to create this background story, and and then you can kind of make your own story within the framework of that bigger RPG story. And that's how it started to t take off. That became a very popular RPG. You can still buy it. The books, some of them are sold out now. Maybe there are digital versions. And then that became so popular that all of a sudden Amazon got interested and turned that into a story, um, like a science fiction series. But it keeps that mysterious vibe. You never really know what's going on. Uh, and because it's based on paintings, the it is slow. It's, it, you're, you're watching. It's beautifully filmed. Oh, the production values are out of this or out of this world. The special effects are amazing, but they're all very dreamy. So there, at one point, there's this child, and she knows that she's kind of special. And there's something going on with her mom. This is all in the first episode. Her mom works underground in that with that machine, and but she never told her child what she's doing there, what that machine is all about. So the, the, chi the, the child is like nine years old and all of a sudden her mom disappears and never, never comes home. And so this girl is starting to look for her mom and she notices that the people are going underground and then she tries to figure out what's going on. She, she meets this boy in the woods and this boy takes her home to his home and... Uh, she meets this uh, this woman, the, the the mother of this boy, and then then that's where the the plot thickens because there is something very peculiar going on with that mom, linked to her own personal story. That's all I'm going to say about it. And then with the boy, she's going into the woods, and the place where that her house used to be is all of a sudden just empty. And they find this mysterious floating rock where her house used to be. And there are no more traces of her mom, no more traces of the house where she used to live. And they discover this um, this 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 other house. And I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about it. Is that her former house? The thing is, it is almost, it's completely run down. There are holes in the roof. This is all taking place in kind of Sweden in the winter. And... And so at one point she's in a what used to be the living room and snow is falling upwards. Literally, snow is going from the pile of snow and it's disappearing up in the skies. And then they step out of the house and they see that also the house itself is disintegrating. And so it's and it's all flying upwards. As if there's this invisible slow motion hurricane that is destroying the house over the course of several hours. And all of this is linked to her own history, the history of the, the story of the of the loop, and so. But but everything is going so slow in slow motion, and ah, oh, it's this dreamy, beautiful science fiction world. I am so impressed, and it's almost as if you're watching a story that takes place inside of a painting. Ah, I can't recommend this enough. If you have Amazon Prime, check it out. It is. This is science fiction that you would never see in a movie theater. This is maybe even a little bit too art house for for Netflix. But it totally works. And ah, I love, 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 love that series. Go check it out. It's called Tales of the Loop. I think the first season is, is posted for you to binge. It's about nine or ten episodes long. And I want to see more of it. I definitely want to see this story unfold that is it for today's video and tv segment let's move over to the peculiar <laughs> bunch Catholics rock here at the peculiar bunch i'm always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about catholics and their faith but you were afraid to ask Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Well, I have to say, these 
life masses that I'm streaming are opening up a whole new can of worms or questions in this case. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So last Sunday was my first Mass for Geeks, and, and I, I really was worried about the title. I, I knew that I was, I was already streaming an international Mass, but uh, for some reason I felt that, that, you know, a lot of the people that are watching are from my YouTube and Facebook followers, and they're geeky people just like me. So I was repositioning it on Sunday so that more people in North America could, could also join me for Mass. And then I was thinking, well, what, what if I would just call it Mass for Geeks? We say, we, we talk about Latin Mass. We say, you know, it's a children's Mass or a family Mass. But this is a Mass with most, most of the attendants are geeks. So if we, if we speak Latin, if we speak English, we should also speak geek. And uh, for some reason, I was thinking I could do a homily with geeky elements in it. Literally, speak the language of geeks. And of course, I, the first thing I thought of was Star Wars. Maybe I can use a, I can, I can do a homily with more Star Wars elements, etc. So I created this uh, thumbnail image with Yoda, and uh, I, I it was the gospel of um, of the the, the 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 disbelief of of the Apostle Thomas when he hear, hears that Jesus has. Uh, has met the other apostles, that he's no longer dead, but he, he is alive again. He refuses to believe, and he's like, well, I can't believe it. I need to touch his wounds before I will believe. And, I, and that made me think of that scene on uh, Dagobah, where Yoda is training Luke, and Luke is challenged to rise his, um, or used to use the force to rise the X-Wing from the swamp, and then he fails, and then Yoda uh, says, well... Eh, it's only in your mind that it's too big. You gotta have faith. And Yoda lifts that entire um, X-wing fighter from the swamp, and Luke reacts, uh, "I don't believe it." And then Yoda says, of course, the words, "That is why you fail." And I was thinking, oh, if I only can use that as a, you know, part of my homily, that would be so cool. I can never talk about Star Wars with my regular parishioners because they don't get the references. <laughs> Let alone if I would start to imitate Yoda. I don't think that would work. <laughs> but it may work in an international mass that is geared towards geek. And, and so I, I've had so many cool uh, comments from people and, uh, what what was really heartwarming is that I got a number of reactions from people that say, well, hey, I'm, I'm not an atheist. I'm agnostic. I don't know if God exists. It doesn't really impact my life. But this was great. Keep doing this, and I'll be back. And, and that's why I do it, you know. If I can speak the language of geeks, then I think I'm doing something that few other priests will do. I know a lot of priests that are geeks like me, but I don't think they have the, the opportunity to... To, to to target the the geeks with their masses because they have to uh, celebrate mass for their own parishioners. Well, I have the ability to do a, a mass in English just for geeks. And so, anyway, I'm suspecting that I'll get a lot of questions from people that are not necessarily familiar with mass and asking me about well, what are you doing and what does it mean? Um, and one of the most more specific questions that I had to ask myself is, what is this mass going to look like? And how can I, how can I, I really want to, to first, I want to do two things that seem Im impossible or incompatible. One is, I want it to be a mass with geek references. The second thing is, I want it to be an exemplary mass. I want it to be a mass, a very traditional Catholic mass. Not traditional in the sense that it's all going to be in Latin and, you know, I'm not talking about the traditional uh, Tridentine rite, but I want to celebrate Mass the best way I can do it so that the people from all over the world that are watching this are are seeing Mass as it was intended. Um, and so for the altar, uh, or for the entire... Mm, how would you call that? The the central place where the altar is placed. I wanted to cr to create uh, a sedia. It's called in Latin. So that's the seat where the priest opens 
mass, gives the blessing, etc. That's a that's a liturgical place that in many churches has has been abolished, but that was never meant to be abolished. And well, in the, in the Joseph's Church where we are streaming these masses from, we didn't have that anymore. So, like, it was a whole puzzle to bring that back. And how am I going to do that practically and with the cameras? And now there's even more that I'm going to, or that I'm currently uh, working on with the parishioners here. Um, because I also wanted to create a place in the church or a small chapel where we can have, where we can stream uh, uh, vespers dedicated to the Virgin Mary. And, but the place where I wanted to create that new liturgical space was covered in children's drawings. And, uh, and they've been hanging there for quite a while. So I had to ask myself, well, I think it's, it's, it looks terrible. It looks like a fridge, you know, where, where parents would put all their children's drawings. But instead of doing that just for, you know, the, paint, the, the drawings of the week, they would have been doing that for 20 years because I've, there, were, there was stuff attached to the walls that was 10 years old. And they'd just been accumulating there. And it looks terrible. It's, it looks very messy. And, but then other parishioners were warning me, well, if you take those away, people are going to be upset because, well, it, 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 it signals almost as if you don't want children to have their place in the church. And so I was like, um... Does the church say anything about children's drawings in the church? What I, what, so it is, is an interesting question. What belongs in the church and what not? What is essential and what is not? And where do you draw the line? I think what the, so made me double think before I remove something, what is going to be the rationale? And my rationale is the church is, first of all, the house of God. It is not a place of self-expression, it is the place where the church, the church, expresses its its worship for God, and so uh, there needs to be a certain universality to to the way the churches are uh, arranged, um, and everything has to make sense and has to uh, first of all uh, serve worship, it has to serve mass, has to serve the liturgy, and so that has to come first. And then, of course, every liturgy is also self-expression in the sense that our our own forms are the chants that we, the, the songs that we sing, the music that we make, the way we decorate our churches. That is ex- that is a local expression, oftentimes, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's always been like that throughout history. We've always. Uh, decorated our churches with with paintings and stained glass windows etc icons but it's all to help us get closer to god and um if if it's only self-expression then it ceases to be um the um the it ceases to connect to the universal church so children's drawings may serve a purpose um I mean, it's always cool if children can uh, make, you know, make drawings, etc., and, and 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 you show that to the community. But does it mean that you have to have an entire corner of your church building, which in this case is not a very big building, where it's covered in children's drawings and you know that are no longer functional? What matters is that the children are involved, but you don't need to put all these drawings on display for years to to make clear that you are a f- church that is open to families that is much more in your attitude and in the the room that you give children and in the the things that you do to help children children understand mass it's not the drawings that make your church uh, children friendly so I'm, I'm i'm my rule of thumb is now would you do that in your own living room that is going to be my reply to the people that say, well, but that's the children that made that. Yeah, but those children are now adults. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> you know, it's been there for years. Um, would you, if you look at your own fridge and you're a parent, would you keep your children's drawing on there for 10 years? No, of course not. You would, you know, exchange it and then maybe you will scan it in and keep it. 
but you will certainly not cover your, your own living room in children's drawings. Well, this is the house of God. This is where God lives. This is where the community lives. What's the difference? The church is not a fridge where you just put up stuff and never remove it. Uh, so uh, it's, it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting thought experiment you know, what, what are the choices? The choices that we make in the way that we adorn our churches, they have to serve a purpose. They have to, but don't stack up stuff just for the sake of n- never daring to throw anything away. And so we're, we're currently cleaning up our sacristy. Our, and every time the reaction is the same, <gasps> but that's been there for years. We can't throw that away. And I'm thinking, well, what, but, but look at your own house you can't keep piling up stuff there is i think a almost a uh virtue in in daring to be a minimalist in the church because it means that your faith doesn't depend on stuff it depends on your faith and what's more important is that what that your church building helps you to become a better christian but the church is not an archive you don't just overstuff it because you're afraid to let go of things. Letting go, I think, is part of the process that makes us rely more on God. So let us let go of all the junk that's been piling up for years. And this corona time may be a good time to clean up stuff and reboot in certain ways and rethink what we're doing. If you do that and you communicate that, then it can be actually a very transformative time as well for yourself, for your faith, and for your parish. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I am proud to tell you that I'm back on schedule with my goal that I set myself in January to read one book per week. We're now in week 17 and I've currently read 16 books and I'm reading an awesome book for week 17 and it is called Children of Blood and Bone written by Tomi Adeyemi. She's a Nigerian-American writer. She lives in the United States, I think in San Diego, Uh, but her roots are in Nigeria and so this story takes place in an African setting which makes it so different from a lot of the books that I've read so far. It's a young young adult novel, um, but a quality one, I have to say. This is really uh, something that could turn into something akin to... Well, I'm not going to say Harry Potter per se, although there is definitely potential there. But this could also this could definitely rival the Hunger Games, for instance. The world building is really well done, and it is something fresh. This is kind of the the I would say the book equivalent. This is the equivalent to the world of young adult novels, uh, to Black Panther in the Marvel universe. Finally, finally, we've got a. A, a very successful young adult novel series that takes place in Africa and incorporates a lot of the African uh, lore, African mythology, um, and African voices. Which, but it is also surprisingly accessible for someone like me who is not from Africa. Um, this book was also picked up by Fox originally, Fox Movies, to be turned into a movie. There, one book is out. Uh, the, I think the two books that are now published, um, but there are many more coming, at least I hope. And uh, when when Disney acquired Fox, they of course also picked up this idea and continued to put good people on on this. It's rumored that Kathleen Kennedy has been so enamored with this uh, with this series that she wants this to be the new big Lucasfilm project. So Lucasfilm, of course, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but maybe also this new Legend of Orisha. That's the overall title for the series. This That Legend of Orisha may become something uh, like a new big franchise for, for Disney. And I think it would be awesome because um, it is, it's, it's because of its African nature and character that is something that i think is still missing a lot in the disney lineup 
uh, Black Panther, I think, was not by accident such a mega success because all of a sudden it, it just opens up this mostly male, white <laughs> universe of, of Marvel to uh, this, this African dimension. And uh, it, enri- it really enriches that, that world building. And I think that uh, Legend of or- Orisha could do that for, for the Disney universe, for the storytelling there. And I think in, in, well, Pixar has been doing that, uh, trying to look a little bit beyond the Western culture and finding new inspiration for storytelling, and uh, and and I think it's it's a good idea for Kathleen Kennedy to also do that with uh, a, a new big movie franchise. Um, so it's still in development. They're still writing the scripts right now. So we're maybe still take a couple of years before we see the first uh, movie in that series. But it is. It is good. I'm really enjoying this book. So it tells the story of a, uh, an imaginary country. So it's a little bit like uh, Black Panther. Um, and it's a story where it's a country where in ancient history, people had magical gifts. They were able to, um, to, to uh, uh, influence the land and the fire and the water. Sounds familiar? Sounds a little bit like the last airbender. It's similar, but then in an African setting. And so, um, but that magic has been robbed from that country uh, for two reasons. Pride. Some magicians were using the magic for their own gain, for their own selfish purposes. And that is why the gods took the magic away from the people. And then magic became actually suppressed by rulers that took over the country. But once, once the soul, the, the magical soul of the country disappeared, it became very vulnerable. And so new rulers overtook the land and people with a penchant for magic were considered to be anomalies and had to be uh, suppressed. So it's a bit of an African mm, uh, narrative equivalent of the X-Men. You know, people with gifts are suspicious, are dangerous. Uh, have to be enslaved. And so the story is about this girl who is, her ancestors were part of this magical tribe, white-haired, as a sign of their magical uh, lineage. Um, but she, uh, she, she doesn't know how to use magic, but of course, <laughs> she's about to discover that. And then she falls in love with one of the sons of the oppressors. And so you have that tension. She, she's she's in love with the with one of the adherents of the of the uh, tribe or whatever that is actually against her people. I think it's uh, you know it's it's very young young adult novel stuff, but it it, it creates interesting tensions and interesting storytelling uh, uh, opportunities. So I have only read a few chapters right now. I'm actually also listening to the audiobook, which is brilliantly done, very well read. It's uh, read also by, I think it's a Nigerian uh, narrator, uh, and she is amazing. Um, it's, 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 I don't know, it just feels like I, I close my eyes and I am in Africa, and I'm, it's made me think so much of, of Ethiopia, uh, where I filmed a couple of years ago, and it just totally uh, matches that the vibe of that continent. So highly recommended. Children of blood and bone. As soon as I finished uh, this book, I will give you a more uh, uh, substa- subs- how do you call it? More substantial review. All right. From the world of magic to the world of science fiction, it's only a small step. So let's talk about the world, the realm of. The scientific fiction, because that's where sci-fi stands for. And this time I want to talk a bit more about science fiction in video games. And I have a specific video game in mind, one that I just started playing the other week. Anthem. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? 
go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need ya! Gamers among you will remember the game Destiny and its follow-up game Destiny 2. Uh, it was hyped as the next biggest gaming franchise in the world. It is a shooter-looter. That is a genre where you you roam around, you shoot aliens most of the time or robots, and then they drop stuff that you can then loot, hence uh, shooter-looter, and you can... Uh, disassemble those the, the 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 stuff you find, the treasure you find, and then you can use the elements to enhance your armor, your weapons, your abilities. It's a very common, almost a trope in the gaming universe. And Destiny uh, was reasonably popular, uh, but also had a lot of issues. Um, the biggest issue that I had with Destiny, it was a science fiction story, was the storytelling. It was so bad and so confusing and so ugh, really not well executed. Um, and so they they Destiny the Destiny One was uh, received so much criticism that they actually revoiced the entire game, and they they uh, hired Peter Dinklage to voice uh, the robot instead of that uh, other voice that they used in the beginning. And, and, and they, they did redid a lot of the narrative because they had invested so much money into it. And then the gamers were like, this is stupid. It's a stupid story. We don't understand it. The voice acting is bad. And so they really threw some big money towards that game to salvage it in a certain way, to salvage the, the IP, intellectual property. And then they, very quickly they came with Destiny 2 um, as a follow-up game where they improved a lot of the issues of the, of the first game. Well, EA, Electronic... What is it? Electronic Arts, um, the, the big, pretty controversial gaming company that also brought us Battlefront uh, and, and The Sims and Need for Speed, uh, Peggle... Zombies versus what is it, Plants versus Zombies, and and a few other of those bigger franchises. Um, EA um, uh, wanted to have its own version of Destiny, and so they started to work on an a new EIP called Anthem, and Anthem would be very similar in many ways to um, uh, to uh, Destiny. Um, in a sense that it would be a science fiction-based looter shooter. And they hoped, of course, to make a ton of money because everybody could do these microtransactions and you know a lot of the stuff that actually made EA very unpopular with a lot of gamers because in the first iteration of Battlefront 2, you could pay to win. You could just pay money and get better weapons and thereby have, you would have an edge over poorer players that wouldn't want to spend money on the game. With Anthem... They, uh, they wanted to create a, a something similar and created a whole star, uh, science fiction story that um, takes place in a uh, world that has been taken over by uh, entities, mostly monsters, from another dimension. And then the humans, the characters that you play, um, are um, wearing... Uh, um, exos, exo suits um, a bit uh, similar to the ones that you see in Edge of Tomorrow if you remember that uh, Tom Cruise uh, movie and Emily Blunt uh, and the, the cool thing about those exosuits is that they can also fly so you're also a bit like Iron Man, Iron Man. Um, they worked for years on that game then launched it and it was another huge disappointment for the gamers the, they, the makers got a lot of flack because um, the well the initial part of the game was okay, but then when you get into the multiplayer, it was just bland, repetitive, not well thought out. And so, despite the fact that EA had invested millions and millions of dollars in the franchise, the gamers wouldn't have it. And so, one of the most popular YouTube genres uh, among gamers are videos where they bash uh, the game Anthem. So you, you, like 90% of the videos about Anthem were super negative. That made EA rethink 
<laughs> what they were doing. They wanted to salvage the, the IP, and so they decided to throw even more money towards the game, and they promised the gamers that they would relearn or redo the game, learn from all their mistakes, and start working on a version 2.0 of Anthem somewhere on the horizon and where they would listen to the fans. And that's where we are right now. The game itself was a flop. Um, people love to hate the game. The makers of the game are developing uh, a 2.0 version of the game. And the existing game has to somehow be kept alive, especially the player base has to be kept alive. Well, if you can't really fix the game on short term, what do you do? You lower the price, and that's exactly what happened. So they lowered the price of Anthem uh, during a sale, uh, I think it was a Corona-based sale, to just eight or nine bucks. And that's where I decided to pick it up. Because this game, just a few months ago, was 60 euros or $60. Now it's only eight ninety-five, And I was like, well, even if it just gives me a, a couple of days of fun playing through the tutorial, uh, like there, you can, you can solo play this or you can play it with multiple people. And from what I saw in those reviews on YouTube, most gamers said, well, the, you know, first few hours are a lot of fun and you feel like Iron Man, but it's just in the long run that it becomes very grindy, very, very boring and repetitive. So it's like, yeah, I'm just going to try it out. So I played through the first few levels of this game and it is awesome. This is what Destiny should have been. It is a very cool, very filmic story. Um, it feels like you're watching a, uh, a science fiction movie on par with Star Wars Battlefront. Um, it's a good story, good voice acting, fantastic animations. Uh, you can tell that this is a big budget franchise. And so even though it did not work for the gamers, I'm still really enjoying playing through those uh, early levels. And so, uh, and, and, and it really feels like a good science fiction movie. Uh, and and, and the, a lot of the um, scenes are, are done with the in-game engine, which is fabulous. This game is so gorgeous. So um, if you can pick it up for nine bucks, I would certainly do that. If, even if you're not like a hardcore gamer, and I'm not, you can still enjoy a very, very good science fiction story where, where it's interactive. And they really coach you through, through those first levels. It's not very hard, uh, but you get, still get to be, you know, a character in what looks almost like a science fiction TV series or a science fiction movie. Um, and, and, and the first time you jump into an abyss, press a button, and you fly like Iron Man is very empowering. I wish I had been s streaming it because I was like, I am Iron Man. <laughs> I was really enjoying the experience. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Yes, there's one more thing on my wish list. I've been uh, writing down all the things that I would like to improve around those masses that I'm streaming. One of these things is a new camera for the church. Not for myself, but for the parish or the parishes, because we're streaming for two parishes. Um, about, I think, the two parishes that I'm currently serving used to consist of 20 individual parishes, just to go to show the amount of consolidation that's happening in the Netherlands because of the lack of priests and the lack of faithful. Anyway, um, right now I'm streaming everything using my own cameras. It's all Tridio property. That is, of course, not going to last, and I don't want it to last because, well, it's not... It's not parish property, and it's also these cameras are professional cameras. I cannot really entrust them to parishioners. So I visited another parish uh, earlier this week. They had bought a what they call a PTZ camera, or PT, PTZ camera, depending on where you live. But a PTZ camera stands for Pan, Tilt, and Zoom. 
the name kind of implies what that camera is able to do. It can pan, which means it can go from left to right, turn around its axis. It can uh, tilt, it can go up and down, and it can zoom, it can zoom in. And it can all do all these things at once. So it, it is a little bit like a very sophisticated um, uh, security camera. They're pretty big, actually. They look like the uh, interrogation droid in Star Wars, but then a little bit smaller. So it can swivel, turn, etc. And um, you can pre-program those cameras. And that is why they're super expensive. Like, like the camera that I want, and I think we need, is about 4,000 euros. That is extremely expensive, but the advantage is you can pre-program it. So right now, I'm the cameraman for all those streams, and when I'm celebrating myself, um, I put like four cameras in place, fixed positions, so that Inge can do the switching and could have a camera on the, uh, on the, the, um, the Ambo, one on the altar, one kind of a wide-angle shot of the church, and then maybe one other webcam that is uh, filming the organ or something like that. But that's a hassle. There are so many wires. There's so much equipment, so many tripods. One camera could do the job of all those cameras if you can pre-program it. So I, I'm, I'm super excited to, that there is at least one other parish that has already acquired one of those PTZ cameras so I can show my parishes here this is what we need. This Because this is something I can uh, hand over to other people. If, if I can only, you know, I can, I can pre-program everything and then they will only have to press the button for the altar camera, one for the organ camera, etc. And the PTZ camera will immediately switch to that particular shot. So... If, if your parish is struggling with what, sh what kind of equipment do we need for live streaming, tell them to not just use a phone, for goodness sakes. I see so many priests that are streaming with a cell phone. I was like, if this is important to you, if it's important to you that during this corona crisis, people can have spiritual communion, can be part of the Eucharist that you're celebrating every Sunday, by all means, don't only invest in stained glass windows and and and. And, and church buildings, but invest in a PTZ camera. You will not regret it. At least that's what I hope. <laughs> and if we regret it, then we'll just bring it back. And I think they're pretty, uh, they, it's like Apple stuff that it, it, it kind of keeps its value for a long time. That was it for today's show in my, the show that I'm going to record for my patrons. Father Roderick to the max, I will, I will give you my secret fried rice recipe. I'll talk about Fantastic Four comic series in that was published in 2018. I love that comic book series. And I will, talk, uh, I will talk about my recent experience of walking around in a number of amazing Star Wars locations and how I did that and why that is awesome. If you want to know that, you'll have to listen to my show Father Roderick to the max, only for patrons. And if you want to become one, go to patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care, and God bless. Bye.